Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I believe the word that God has given me today, he's given me specifically to start the beginning of this year for you and for this house. This will be for your house and will be for this house. And I believe it's gonna bring vision. I believe it's gonna bring direction. And I believe even more than that, it will bring some clarity to how God wants you to live, what God wants you to do, and how God wants you to build. We're gonna close the Sermon on the Mount series as we're speaking about Jesus. We're coming to the the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a very powerful parable that God gives us and he speaks to us. And and, um, we're gonna gonna go there as we kind of begin this new year. I think this is a, a really great bridge to where we're headed to next. If you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter seven, I'm going to begin reading there from a moment, Matthew, in a moment, Matthew chapter 7. If you want to grab the Bible in front of you, you can. It's the first book in the New Testament. I want to commend the church for their fasting and prayer. We are officially two weeks in to the 21 days of presence, prayer, and fasting. Come on, you're almost there. This week we have prayer on Monday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night. I'd encourage you to come out to all three if you can. They're very powerful moments. Monday night, we're going to work on our list of prayers for the whole year. I hope you've been working on it already, but we're going to ask big from God this year. We're going to believe big because we serve a big God. Can you say amen? So we're going to do that tomorrow night. But I I hope to see you at all three, and I want to encourage you. You know, this week, don't back down, double down. You know, add something into your, your fasting this week. Make it a little bit harder and, uh, and really make sure we're sacrificing for the Lord. And I want to make a note. If you haven't started fasting in prayer, maybe you tried and you couldn't, I would encourage you to come at it again. Seven days of fasting, I'm telling you, you're still going to see some powerful results. Come at it again. The church is doing the Daniel fast, uh, which is fruits and vegetables, but there's so many different things you can fast. The point is that you cut something that you love to tell God and show God and spend time with God whom you love more. Amen. So I hope to see you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then next Sunday, we're going to break the fast together and we will feast afterwards. Can you say amen? Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. The Bible says this, Jesus is speaking, coming to the end of this incredible sermon, world-changing. And this is his final instructions. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. One more verse I want to read you. First Peter chapter two, verse six, Peter is quoting Isaiah. And he says this, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in him 
will not be put to shame, will not be embarrassed, will not be overwhelmed. Come on, the Lord will be your God. Can you say amen? Today, I want to speak to you and, and counsel you and encourage you in this. Build your house on the rock of ages so that when the stormy season comes, it will endure. Build your house on the rock of ages so that when the stormy season comes, it will endure. Because the reality is the stormy season will come. The floods will rise and you must have your house built on something that can supersede what will come against it. We know a bit of floods this week, don't we? I chose this sermon before the floods came, just so you know. I'm not basing my sermons off the news. How many people had some water in their basement? All of us, apparently. I'm with you. I feel it. I feel it. I feel the pain. I woke up at 3 a.m. when that rain was coming down because we had prayer at, at 6 a.m. this week. It was phenomenal. But I was so nervous to miss it. I kept waking up. Two, three, four. I woke up at 3 a.m. It, it sounded like my home was under a waterfall. I have never heard the rain beat against my house like this. I woke up and I thought, someone should do something. And then I went back to sleep. And I'm the only someone around. And it's 3 a.m. At 5, I got up. It seemed to have quieted down. So I thought, all right, maybe we'll be okay. Got in the car. It's running a little bit late for prayer. So I'm booking it. I didn't see the river or the lake that had formed on the highway in front of me. And I hit that thing going fast. And it was like the Bellagio fountains <laughs> crashed in front of me. For a moment, I was in awe. And then I realized I'm about to lose control of this vehicle. I started praying before I even got the prayer in that moment. It's interesting to see the, the roads that looked perfectly fine the day before washed out. Homes that looked sturdy, underwater. Vehicles that ran perfectly fine, gone. It's interesting. See, when the floods come, it brings a washout. When the floods come, the danger is what, hap what will happen because of its power underneath. What looked steady, what looked strong, what looked solid with enough flood can get washed away, can get overrun. And Jesus uses this metaphor that we've all seen to speak about a life, to speak about what it looks like to have a life that is built strong or a life that is built foolishly. And he says this at the end of his sermon. He uses this metaphor of the flood rains and, and then the waters that will come to, to, to show the people at the end of the sermon what they should do with this sermon. Because see, at the end of every sermon, the conclusion a preacher will try and do is bring a call to action. This is what you should do. This is how this affects next week. Maybe even get you to ask some questions of yourself. What area of my life do I need to sure up? Where do I need to put in some work? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? What verse stood out? And Jesus coming to the end of the sermon, he brings the call to action with this incredible parable about storms coming. And he says, you've got a house and, and you've got to take stock on how have I built it? And what should I do? 
Because when the storm comes, it should not be underwater. It should not be washed away. It, it should not be overcome. It should not be obliterated. But you're going to have to put my words, Jesus says, into practice. In fact, at the end of the sermon, he says there are two types of people that have heard this sermon. Every single time the word of God is preached, these two types of people are in the room. They're in the room today. Two different types of people. He says there are people that will be wise in their reactions, and there are people that will be foolish in their reactions. There are wise builders, and there are foolish builders. In other words, you've heard all of this. There are people that will, will take it as substance for their life, or others that will take it as inspiration. Some will take it as substance, some will take it as supplement. And there's a difference between those two things. Both maybe even have good intentions, but one is wise and one is foolish. And Jesus is really putting it to the audience and I'm putting it to you today. Who are you? Which one are you? Let's begin with the wise. Jesus says the wise person hears these words, the Sermon on the Mount, all of its subjects. And it says they, they hear it, they receive it, and then they act on it. See, both heard the word, both heard the sermon, but one of them received it and one of them acted on it. He says the one that does that is like the one that builds their house on the rock. Builds their house on the rock. Turn to your neighbor and say, build your house on the rock. If you're going to build your house, there's a couple steps that you have to take. And the wise builder took these steps. The first thing you have to do if you want to be a wise builder is you have to choose the right plot of ground. You have to choose the right ground. One chooses the sand, but the other looks for a place where there's bedrock, where there's strength. The wise chooses the right plot of ground. It matters, hear me, where you stake your claim. It matters where you choose to live. If you were going to go, if you were going to build a house and you're going to buy a plot of land, what would you do? Of course, you'd go check it out. You'd look at it. You would get soil samples. You check out the community. You might even take into account what county this plot of land is located with, whose authority it's going to come under, what are the taxes, what are the regulations, what can you do, what can't you do on the land. You might even look at the school system that's attached to that land. You would look at all of the different elements of this. And you'd also look at, is it a good buildable lot? You don't want to buy a lot that's all marshes, all wetlands that... You, you don't want to buy something that's cheap because whatever is, is, is too cheap is cheap for a reason. You're going to have to put some investment into this thing. And of course, you don't want to just look at it in a summer day because everything looks good in the summer. It's easy in the summer. You know how easy it is to fast in the summer? It's still difficult, but it's easier than drinking a smoothie with 10 degrees outside. Everything looks good in the summer sun, but you have to buy not just based on the, on the good today. You have to buy based on what will be good no matter what comes. You got to choose the right ground. The wise choose the right ground. If I could apply this to you when you're deciding to build your life, where you decide to build it and on whom matters. Don't just choose to build it any old place around anywhere. Please hear me. The authority you come under when you're building your house, it matters. Come on, it matters. The God that you come under, it matters. The type of soil 
It matters. God talks about the soil in your heart, the soil in those around you. I hope you have soil that's fertile, that has great life that grows out of it. It matters. The other houses on the block, the community, it matters. I think it's an awesome thing that you're at this house. It's not a perfect house, but it's a healthy house. And I pray that you build your life with other people that are building their life in a good community. Homes in a good community. Children growing together in a good community. They're raised in the schooling of the Lord. Hear me, the school, physical that you choose, you know that matters. And some of you know it matters so much that you put your kids in Christian school or homeschooling because it matters. But it also matters the schooling, that the, the doctrine that your children receive in the house of the Lord and from their parents. You gotta choose the right ground. What are you gonna put your whole life on? What area, around what people are you gonna stake your claim? What values are on the block? What are the values of those around you? The wise choose the right ground. But more than that, Luke tells us that the wise man dug deep. The wise builder digs deep. I pray that you don't live a shallow existence. I pray that you don't have a shallow salvation. But in order for you to have a life that will be steady, that will be stable, that will be unshakable, you're going to have to dig deep. And when you dig deep, that means you're going to have to do the things that go beneath the surface. Anyone can live a life on the surface, but we want to live a life that is stable and strong upon God's salvation. How do you dig deep? We can only dig deep by fasting. Come on, there should be more amen on that. You've been digging deep the last two weeks. You're eating so much hummus, you can't believe it. You're digging deep. Like I was saying, come on, anyone can start the year with smoothies in Florida, but we're starting it in New England. We're digging deep. We're telling the Lord that we know that this is difficult, but we know that deep things only come through great difficulty. Come on, we want the right land. We'll pay the higher price. We want good foundation. We'll dig deeper. When you read the word of God, when you have a devotion life, when you, when you go to the word, what are you doing? You're digging deep. You're gonna hear so many different things and opinions from everyone in the world. And it's all out there, but it's all shallow. I'm here to tell you, dig to the ancient truths. Dig out the old wells. Dig deep in the word of God. When you pray, you're doing more than little prayers. You're interceding for people. You're hearing from the Lord. What is that? But you're digging deep. And digging's not always easy. Have you ever tried to dig a hole? Like you think it's like no big deal and then you're halfway through it and you're like, why is this so tough? I'm not talking about like a hole in the sand. That's easy. I'm talking about like a hole in your backyard. And you're like two feet in and you're like, I need some professional help. It's not easy to dig deep. But if you want a life built on stability, you're gonna have to go deeper than everyone else around you. You're gonna have to dig deeper than the world wants to dig. Jesus says, if any man wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. What is he saying? Saying, dig deep. Come deep into the things of the Lord. When you tithe, you're digging deep. You're saying, I know I could just do anything with my money. I know I could just use it for whatever. I know I could take another vacation, but I'm choosing to bring it before the house of the Lord. It's difficult, but I'm digging deep. 
When you choose to serve in the house of the Lord and maybe even go another step, sacrifice in the house of the Lord. Those people that get here on Sunday morning, 7 a.m., those people that leave at 2.30, those people that prepare the house and, 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 and open all this place up, what are they doing? They're digging deep. I pray that you live a life that goes deeper than the shallow, that sets the foundation on the fundamentals. See, the fundamentals never change. It's always gonna be difficult to fast. It's always gonna be difficult to pray. It's always gonna be difficult to get into the word of God. It will never be easy. If you're waiting for like the moment where you just feel like it, I got a, I got a newsflash for you. That moment will never come. You're always gonna have to dig, but you're building something that's gonna last. You're building a house that will survive through what's coming. The wise builder, the Bible tells us, sets a foundation upon the rock. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is now building upon it. But let each one take care how he build upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ you need to set the foundation of your life upon the only one that's worthy of your life being set upon, Jesus and Jesus alone. Only he is strong enough. Only he is eternal enough. And only his words can sustain through the storm. We're setting our lives on this word. More than hearing a good word on Sunday, Jesus says plenty will hear, but who will build? Who will receive? Who will say whatever this says, that is supreme in my life, first in my life, fundamental to my life. Sadly, many people, even people in the church, or let me put it this way, even people uh, who have heard the word of God set their lives on foolish foundations. They cannot say, like Martin Luther, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Instead, their conscience is captive to pleasures or sin or self or flesh or the world or the things of the age. But I pray you and I can say the fundamental basis of our life is the word of God. That we can say like the psalmist, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know where to go, when I don't know what's happening all around me, bring me to the rock that has been since the beginning, is today and will always be. Let my conscience be captive to the word of God. Come on, say amen. May we be like the wise builder. But the foolish builder, Jesus tells us, hears the word, maybe even believes it. Maybe thinks it's a good, good sequence of good philosophies. Hears the word, but in the end, they don't act. In the end, it says they choose to build on sand. In other words, the foolish builder doesn't choose the right ground. The foolish builder chooses any ground, any God any authority, any spiritualism, anything that makes you feel good, any church, any church, one's the same as the other, any sermon, any altar, just chooses any ground. The foolish builder will choose any values. In fact, what they'll do is they'll end up building on the shifting sands of culture, the sands of society, 
Whatever anyone else is saying, that's what we'll agree with. And what they'll do is they'll put their house just any old place. What's trending? What's acceptable? What do we all agree with? What's CNN saying? What, 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 what won't get me in trouble? What should I not say anymore? What, what should I say? Just play the sound, I'll bow, no big deal. They look for the easiest place. They look for the, 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 the flattest place. And the problem with this, the problem with choosing any old ground is that the, the sand always looks the best. And honestly, it's always the easiest to build on. But if you knew anything about that culture, like it is even in this culture, but in that culture, there, there, it rains very little over there. And, and so, so there, there looks to be just places where there's no homes, but it's stunningly beautiful and, beautiful and fertile and green. And you would say, that's a beautiful place to put a house. The problem is the few times it does rain, it rains in the mountains and melts all the snow. And within a matter of hours, floods come out of nowhere, smashing through the landscape. And the reason it looks good, the reason it looks flat, the reason it looks all washed out is because the storm comes through, the waters come through and wash everything away. And if you're not careful, if you don't have wisdom, if you're not listening to those that have lived there before, if you're not listening to wisdom, you'll end up putting your house on a place that looks good and yet is deadly because the sand will shift when the next flood comes. And if you're basing your life on culture, no, the, sh the sands shift seasonally and the water comes and you must not put your house there just because other people are, you know? Don't place your house on land that hasn't been tested. Don't place your house on new ideas. What, we've believed this for three years and we've been fine. What? We believe we've legalized this for 10 years. Everyone's okay. 10 years? How about 2,000 years of stable history and strong families? And how about something eternal that was here before the earth came, is here today, and will be here after the earth is gone? How about you build your life on something more like a rock, not something that someone came up three weeks ago, three months ago? It got a lot of likes, it got retweeted, it's on TV, it must be true. No, 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 no. No, that is people trying to sell you a worthless plot of land for a high price, not caring what happens to your home, not caring if it gets swept away. The foolish person chooses any ground, whatever's easy, whatever's acceptable, and then they don't dig. They don't dig down. Here's the word, maybe even believes it, but the action so, so, these are casual Christians. They lack knowledge of God. They lack discipline. Really, in the end, they lack the word of God. They do, as the Bible says, whatever seems to be right in their own eyes, whatever they feel. That's why you have to be careful making decisions based on your emotions or whatever seems right. Okay, but what is right? Have you gotten a word from the Lord on this decision? Have you brought it to wise counsel? Elijah says these people that have built with a lack, uh, that haven't dig, uh, dug out where they've built are like those that waver forever between two opinions. Whenever there's a new gust of wind, they'll go that way. Why? Because they lack a deep foundation. They lack knowledge. They don't know the word. They get their theology from TikTok, a podcast, an aunt's Facebook post, if you're still on that. 
And you think, well, just because they said it passionately, it must be true. What? They quoted the Bible out of context, half a verse from the Passion Translation, but they were passionate. It must be true. Well, it's got a lot of comments, got a lot of retweets, getting a lot of traction. People are building their house over there. They're starting churches. What? The church has been there for three years. It looks blessed. Might be sand. Oh, you're just negative. Might be sand. You're just mean. You need to have discernment. You know where discernment comes from? Digging deep. Digging deep. Lord, this feels right, but is it right? It looks good, but is it good? It sounds pleasurable, but is it? Is it the word of God? Please hear me, church. Dig deep so that the latest con artist or wolf in sheep's clothing or someone that means well yet has no clue or your own emotions won't lead you astray. Dig down in the word of God using the fundamentals and set a deep foundation. The fool chooses any ground, doesn't dig, and then in the end, they, they lack a foundation in their life. They, they lack something to rest everything on. They, re, they lack something that is unshakable when the storm or the earthquakes come. And, and I'm here to tell you today, if what you build your life on, if what you set your life on, if it is not Christ, it will crumble. If it is not Christ, it will crumble. It will shake and it will fall. It is a faulty foundation. And some people, even Christians, can hear the word yet set their life on faulty foundations. Money is a faulty foundation. It doesn't matter how much you have of it. It doesn't matter how much success there is. It doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter what the number is the bank account. It doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you have. It is a faulty foundation. It can shift in one moment. Overnight, the sands can be washed away. And if you've built your whole life on the security of money. You built it on a fickle God. You got to have something deeper than money. Even knowledge is a faulty foundation. Education, degrees, privilege, being around wise, supposedly wise in their own eyes people. Please hear me. All your brain could know, could hold is a single grain of rice compared to the knowledge of the universe, compared to the mind of Christ. Gain knowledge, but make sure that that is not what you set your whole life on. It will shift. It is not enough. It is a faulty foundation. Your skills that you have or achievements that you've made or even your immutable characteristics, your weight or your height or your race, things that you have nothing to do with. Don't set your whole life on these things. The whole world is trying to get you to set your whole life on these things. But the Bible says, look, you can't even turn one hair on your head, white or black. You are not even in control of this temporary body. I hope it's good. I hope you take care of it. I hope your new body in heaven is as good looking as your body is right now or better. But do not set your whole life. Don't rest your entire identity on these things. Set it on a greater foundation. Put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Come in unity with other believers. Build your house on a rock that is eternal and not temporary. 
Every room that the gospel is preached is filled with one of these two types of people and one of these two types of response. The wise or the foolish builder, which one are you? Which one are you? Because you have to understand both build houses. You would think that the foolish person doesn't accomplish anything. but It's not true. They build a house just like the other. But they both looked good. Across the street, nice porches, backyards. It looked good. Because the reality is you won't really know the quality of the work or what it rests on until it's tested and tried. You won't know the materials until the fire touches it. You won't know if it's worthy or unworthy. And years could go by, decades even, not knowing is it really strong. This is why you must be careful to not have a comparison Christianity. Because what seems successful and what seems secure and what seems equal or better may not be. I can only imagine the person that's digging deep. It looks like nothing's happening on the surface while the other person, the walls are already up. And this person's digging and, and, and they're going deeper, going home every day, dirty, tired. And it looks like nothing's happening on the surface. Meanwhile, the other one's putting the roof on. But when the storm comes, you might see that the easy way taken the quick way, the shortcut is unstable in all of its ways. And the truth is you won't find out until the day of trial how well they are made. As Jesus says, one day the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. And Jesus is saying to us, truthfully, the storms are coming. Aren't you grateful that Jesus tells us the truth? I'm grateful that Jesus doesn't pretend that there aren't storms. I'm grateful that D Jesus doesn't just say, you're, you're gonna be good, it's all sunshines and rainbows from here, from here on out. I I'm grateful that Jesus gets up there and at the end of the sermon, he says, now I want you to build your life off, the off this, but storms are coming. It will be difficult. There will be trials. And we know that this world has seen storms in Jesus's time and since then. The world has seen tyranny and war and famine and plague and hatred. It's seen storms and we've even seen storms. In the last election cycle, we saw plague and lockdowns, our rights violated, riots, and a whole lot more. I'm grateful that this church stood strong. I'm grateful that this church was built on the rock that is Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the people that stood strong and that their house wasn't brought down the river. I'm grateful you're still here today. I want you to know you survived the storm. You're stronger than you were before. You've been tried, you've been tested, and you've been found righteous. Amen? Because the truth is even disciples will experience the storm, sometimes even with Jesus in the boat. You know, you would think if, if, if Jesus was just here, everything would be fine. And it's like, well, let's talk to Peter. <laughs> they were so afraid. They said, Jesus, we are going to die. Can you imagine telling the one that knows when you're going to die that you're going to die? <laughs> I know you know everything, but you've missed this part. <laughs> you know, I always love the detail that Jesus is asleep because like, he could not be less concerned. <laughs> he knows the beginning from the end. They shake him and they wake him and they say, we're going to die. And Jesus is kind of groggy. And he's like, all right, peace be still. 
You know, I don't know if he was saying it to Peter or the elements, but both were like, all right. Even if you have Jesus in your boat, and you do, if you're a follower, you got Jesus in your boat, there's still going to be storms. Still going to be floods. Still going to be trials. Still going to be issues. And in this world, you will experience rain, flood, and wind. Rain from above. You'll have trials from heaven. Trials that God will allow. Some that God will even send upon your life. Jesus went through trials from heaven. He was tempted in all things. Jesus was tempted by hunger. He was tempted by power. And he was even tempted by taking the shortcut. What are these? These are trials that Jesus endured. If he did, how much more us? Paul was shipwrecked three times. He was adrift at sea for a day and a half. He was beaten with rods three times and he was given 40 lashes three times. He was constantly hungry and constantly in danger and dealt with fear and struggled with anxiety for the churches. All these things happened in, in, in Paul's life. These were rains from above. And yet he chose to persevere to serve God because he built his house on the rock. Peter, the great apostle, was imprisoned twice. One very much looking like it was going to lead to death. He was constantly in danger, constantly in threat. And when he died, he did not die naturally. He was crucified upside down in Rome, all because of the gospel. He had gone through some rain and some trials from above, but he was faithful to the end. What about those in the Old Testament? Joseph was betrayed, sold into slavery. Hagar was mistreated and isolated and cast off. You think about so many women from Sarah all the way to Hannah that had barren wombs for many, many, many years and cried out to the Lord. I mean, if you go through the list of the things people went through, David was chased by his own government, his own king seeking to kill him. Daniel thrown into the lion's den that, that were hungry and vicious and were going to eat them and his friends thrown into the midst of the fire. All of these things, the rain fell and the trial came and yet their house was built on a rock. Peter tells us, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you'll go through the rain, hear me, you'll hear the words, peace be still. You'll be a part of the miracle. And when God is revealed, I pray you're still standing next to him. The rain will come and so will the floods. And the floods are trials that come from the earth. The things that just happen, I call these the vicissitudes of life the ups and the downs, the changes in the seasons. And really nobody's fault. Sometimes not much you could have done. It just is, is the difficulties, the testing that comes with living in a fallen world. The flood sometimes just rises. Your basement just floods. It's not the devil. It might seem like the devil. Sometimes it's just a flooded basement. Car breaks down. It's not a demon in the engine. You didn't put oil in the engine. They break up with you. They're not the devil. <laughs> well, you might think they are. It's just the changes of life. 
things that happen. And I would encourage you in this, not every natural thing that happens is supernatural. Right? Like sometimes you're searching for signs and, Je and Jesus even tells the people, like stop constantly searching for signs. Just believe in God, be faithful and live your life. And sometimes we have to know discernment. Is this a flood or is this rain? Is this from God or is this just life? Or is this just the enemy? I, I, I wanna pray for discernment on these things because I wanna make sure I react well. Sometimes I just gotta like not freak out, hold my emotions and get to fixing the problem. Lead well, because the truth is floods are gonna come. And other times comes the wind. And the wind comes across, comes from the air. It's mysterious, strange, and sometimes Trials do come from the enemy. Bible says Satan is the prince of the air. And I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been under kind of a, a windstorm, it feels like an attack. It hits all four, four, four corners of the house at once. And sometimes you'll be going through some things and you're like, this is going on and this is going on. This is happening and this is happening. Why is it all seemingly pressing in at once? There are some times where the enemy is shooting arrows. There are some times where the enemy is bringing pressure. There are some times where the enemy is bringing wind to bat against the side of your house, to fear you, to scare you, or even to test how is this thing built? Like with Job, it's mysterious and it's all at once. And sometimes the enemy does bring gusts of attack. Here comes a gust of depression. Can't even figure out where it came from. Why it's happening? Try and figure out what's the logical thing. What, what did I do? What did I eat? What did I say? Why did I, did I not sleep? But something's coming. It could just be a gust from the air. Here comes the wind coming against your home. Or maybe it's a gust of temptation and it's coming all at once and you feel like I cannot survive through this thing. Or a gust of confusion that's attacking your mind or a gust of offense or all four come at once. And there's many more, but you got to know when this thing comes and, and there's this creaking and this crashing, this is from the enemy. Yeah. And the temptation, I think, sometimes is for us to say, woe is me. No one knows what I'm going through. No one else has ever gone through anything like this. I'm the only one, but the truth is it's going to come. The rain, the floods, the wind, it's all going to come. Bible says that God sends rain on the just and on the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous, the Jew and the Gentile, the saved and the unsaved. It's just going to come. But the good news is if you have a firm foundation, your house will not fall. Your mind will not fall. Your family will not fall. Your strength will not fall. If you have a firm foundation, Jesus says the house did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. My encouragement to you today is to build your house on the rock that is Jesus Christ. You know, you notice that Jesus didn't, did not say a rock. He said the rock. And, and Peter did not say that you built that, that the cornerstone chosen precious, precious is, is just anything. It says it is a person, whoever believes in him. Jesus is the rock that when you base your life on it, when you put your whole, whole house on it, there will be salvation for all of it. Even in this parable, Jesus uses the word house, but it means something so much more than just a physical house. And it even means something so much more than a life. It's more like your life and your lineage, your descendants, your assets, your influence. Everything you got 
your whole household. This word house is almost used in an ancient context. Like your house, everything that you got and everything you represent. Jesus says, put it all on the rock. You think about the medieval concept of houses. They would have these bit strong houses and, and uh, you know, they would come with all their sons and all, all their warriors and they would come with a banner that each house had its own banner. It's called the coat of arms. And they would have their own colors and they'd have their own symbols. And if you look into the history of a coat of arms, you would see that each one told a story, told about that family's achievements, told about that family's history, where that family lives. And, and many times it would even have a, a, a value, a family value on that coat of arms. I pray your house has some achievements on it, has some history to it. I pray it's got some values. And I pray you teach your children, this is what our house is. This is what our last name represents. This is who we are. And all of this is on the rock. Joshua says, as for me and my whole house, come on, we will serve the Lord. I pray you, you build your whole house, everything you are, your values, your direction, May it all be built on the word of God. I believe if you choose to do this with God's word, if you don't just hear, but you hear and do, like James says, that you'll build your house on the rock of ages so that when the stormy season comes, it will endure. Build your house on the rock. And I would ask you to help build this house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus responds to Peter when Peter says, I know who you are. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. Jesus says, and I tell you, you're no longer Simon. You are Peter, which means rock. He changes his name to rock. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord, that's the rock that the church will be built on. And I'm here to declare today that we are going to build his house, this house on the word of God and on the blood of the lamb. My commitment to you is that we will not settle on the ever shifting sands of society, nor will we prize relevance to the world over allegiance to Christ. We will be the salt of the earth. We will be the light to the world. And by God's grace, all 40 acres of this will be a city on a hill that will not be hidden. We will build strong families on unchanging convictions, where men will be fathers, husbands, and servants, where women will be mothers, wives, and nurturers, where children will grow in the knowledge of God and salvation in wisdom and in stature. And we will not remove the ancient boundaries that our forefathers have set up. No matter how much the floods rise or the winds blow, we will not be afraid for he is our rock and he is our refuge. We will build this house so that the lost may find their way home, the sick can be healed, the downtrodden receive courage, and the gospel of Jesus Christ may be proclaimed through all the earth. There's still oil poured beneath this altar. There's Bibles within the foundations of these buildings. There's scriptures written on the steel above this house. And I'm here to tell you in the fire still burns bright in our hearts. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. 
If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.